it's time to take off on the Award Travel 101 podcast. Helping you maximize your travel rewards, no matter your destination or budget. Now here are your hosts, Award Travel 101 Community Managers, Angie Sparks and Joseph Petrovic, to help you do extraordinary things on Ordinary Money. Extraordinary things on an ordinary budget. I want you to think about that for a minute and let that set in. Extraordinary things on an ordinary budget. We have so much to talk about this week, and I'm here with my co-host, Angie Sparks. Hey there. And we are going to talk about the steps to award travel and some things that can help make your travel better. The things that excite us about award travel, there's a few steps that we kind of generalize and we look at and we try to make sure that you understand and have the basics. And that's what the Award Travel 101 community is all about. So. Angie, is there anybody who shouldn't or can't do award travel? Um, I'd have to say anybody who can't handle credit. I mean, we we kind of make fun of the Dave Ramsey philosophy because we know how much value we get out <laughs> of credit card points and miles. But if you can't handle debt and you can't pay your credit card bill in full each month, this is not the hobby for you because that's kind of the cardinal rule. Number one, you protect your credit score and you pay off in full. As soon as you start carrying a balance, the bank wins and there are no points that are going to offset that interest rate that you have to pay. Exactly. And we have eight steps we're going to talk about in our highlight main feature. But first, we're going to start with the question of the week that comes from Joycey Joyce. And she was asking, how much points are worth? So when we want to answer that question, Angie, what are we going to start with? And because it's such a broad question and everybody wants to collect these signup bonuses and they get there, get really excited about, you know, the points they earn through these, uh, whether it's a portal offer, shopping portal offer or a bonus category, you start earning all these points and you want to know, what do I have? Well, you know, I think you said it on a previous podcast, points are only worth what you redeem them for. It's truly one of my biggest pet peeves in this hobby. And we could do a whole podcast related to my pet <laughs> peeves. I apparently have quite a few. But one of my biggest ones is if somebody will post a question, you know, they'll post their redemption in the group. And they're very excited. They posted, they booked a trip, they used points, they're not, you know, laying out tons of cash. And they're like, how did I do? And it never fails. Somebody's going to come along and just poop all over what they, you know, what they booked and be like, well, you know, you could have done this. You could have used those points to go there. Well, that's just great. You know, you hear a lot of bloggers, a lot of podcast people, you see it all over the place. Everybody wants to do the Maldives. Yeah, I don't want to go. <laughs> so I want to use my points for trips that I want to go on. And it, I use my points so that I can travel more and I can travel better. And I don't like to put a set oh, they're worth this much, because sometimes that might be worth a business class ticket to Africa, which we heard all about that on a previous episode, <laughs> or it could be a week in Iceland with my son, the same amount of points. So I don't know. I, I, I hate that. I hate that question. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of interesting. Whereas I take a little bit opposite viewpoint on that because of the mathematics and economics and business background that I have. I always want to know what are my points worth? And 
I think there's got to be a baseline. So there's got to be a nice, good middle ground because we don't want people to go out there and generally speaking, redeem these for gift cards, right? Because we know that you you take these and you go to the, uh, you know, mileage plus and you can redeem these for your gift cards and you're going to get maybe 0.6 or 0.7 cents per mile. And generally speaking, that's not a great redemption, right? But if you're earning millions or hundreds of millions of these things, you might start looking at them and say, hey, I have so many more than I need to do the travel that I want to do. Maybe there is a better value to me so that I'm not using my cash. But I I have a kind of a position on this that it really depends on the points you're looking at it because we can look at it and say, sure, 150,000 Hilton points. That's the typical bonus on the top end Hilton Aspire card. But with that uh, 150,000 points, that sounds like a huge number. But is that the same as 150,000 Amex membership reward points? Right. Not even, not even remotely the same. Yeah. At I all. Mean, and membership rewards points. We're generally talking about redemptions that are three, four, five, six times or more over what a Hilton point is worth. So if you think of it in terms of how much more I can do, not so much in terms of what they're actually worth, you want to have that baseline. And we'll talk more about that in a future episode of what the points are worth. And we'll kind of go through how we get the use and then what uh, Award Wallet breaks those down to be in because Award Wallet tracks a lot of redemptions and sees what those points are worth theoretically, we can talk about that more. But make sure that you're evaluating those points against other point currencies. Ask the questions in the community. That's what we're here for. Go to the Award Travel 101 Facebook group. Ask the questions. We'll go ahead and make sure that we address the questions so that you know what your specific points are worth. But in asking in general what are points worth, there's all these different points currencies. And just like any kind of official bank currency, whether it's the Japanese yen, whether it's the US dollar, whether it's the euro, any of these currencies, they're all going to flex- be have a flexible amount uh, as to what they're worth. Well, sure. And, and we know that, you know, like, let's say Chase Ultimate Rewards, depending on what premium card you have, if you have a Chase Sapphire Reserve, your points are worth 1.5 cents booking through the portal. So you shouldn't spend them for anything less than that. That would be the floor. And you're going to get more value if you transfer them to partners. Chase FR preferred 1.25%. But I also have to laugh at Joycey Joyce's question because it's her P2 coming in and being like, okay, well, I, I see we're doing all this. You know, how much is this? Because my P2 does the same exact thing. We got a roof a couple of years ago and we had to pay a fee to use a credit card. And sadly, it was a substantial enough roof that I opened four cards to be able to pay for this roof. And I got four big honking sign-up bonuses out of it. But my husband's over there just looking at the, we're paying how much in a credit card fee? This 3%, I can't believe we're paying this. I said, well, if you take this sign-up bonus here and you take this sign-up bonus here, these are all of the business class flights you can buy. Of course, you know, you know he's Mr. Literal and he goes, well, what if I don't want to go to those places? <laughs> <laughs> well, th- that's a great point that you just made. And in the uh, section we have, what bonuses did we get? I'll talk a little bit more about that because I am actually going to do something very similar to you. 
and uh, we'll get to that here momentarily. So let's talk about um, just a quick section on news and some enhanced offers. Chase Southwest cards on their consumer branded, co-branded cards, drop the point uh, bonuses down to 30,000 points, but you get a companion pass for a year. Yes or no? I feel like the answer on all these things is it depends. Um, this is, I think, a very specific situation for who this would you know, apply to. Almost everybody is going to be getting better off doing the traditional approach to earning the companion pass. You know, you wait towards the end of the year, you open up a personal card, you open up a business card, you time it so that you hit your minimum spend in January of the following year. Usually Chase has elevated the signup bonuses at that point. So you can get 80,000 points on a business card and 80,000 points on a personal card, depending on which one it is. But then you hit that signup bonus in January and you get the pass for all of that year, as well as the following year. And that's so, almost two full years of yes. companion pass. So if you're traveling frequently, not only do you have more points to do that travel with, but now you have that companion pass for a good solid nine months at least, right? Nine months more. So you have it. Not, the, well, yeah. Well, a whole know. year more. Because yeah. if you earn it in February, let's just look at this year, for example, you earn it in February of 2023, you have it for all of 2023 and all of 2024. Whereas this promotional one is only through February of 2024. Now, yeah. here is who should get this. And I, my son is getting it, actually. He's already been approved for the card. He and his wife, um, they live in a mid-market city, kind of like we do, and they fly Southwest quite a bit. And they're young. They've just, they've been out of college a couple of years. They both have really good jobs, but they don't have any kind of side business yet where they're eligible for a business card. They don't have a tremendous amount of spend yet because again, fresh out of college, they're still fairly young. Um, so they would love a companion pass for the BOGO aspect of it because they would take great advantage of it, but they really are never going to qualify for it from a the traditional standpoint. They're not going to be able to get a business card and they don't have the spend, even if they just got a personal card to put everything on it to make it worthwhile. So when this popped up, you know, and, and you know, let's be honest, this is Southwest's answer to like, oh, we really messed up over the holidays and screwed up all of our customers' plans to be with their family. So here, let's have this. Because usually when they offer these promo companion passes, it's only good for like three months, maybe four. There's another one that they offered third quarter of last year, I think, yeah. that all you had to do was book one flight and take it. And then you'd get one through February 28th of this year. Usually they're only a few months. So this one going for a whole year, that's a really good deal, even with the 30,000 points. So they're going to do it. And they've already said that um, my daughter-in-law texted me and she said, could, could my cousin do this too? I'm like, yes, anybody could do this. It'll work. So it's a, it's a small subset of people who this would be good for, but for those people, it's a really good opportunity. Fast bank. They increased their interest rate to 4.25%. Is that better than taking two miles per dollar? Well, first of all, I had the hardest time trying to sign up for a Bass Bank account online. They could not recognize my driver's license. So I can't tell you that because they won't open the account for me. I don't know. You did the math on this. 
Um, I'd like the AA, I'd like the AA miles though, because I'm not really in a position to get any more AA cards and I need some more of those. Yeah, I did some breakdown and, and I'll leave um, the link in the show notes here of the episode so that people can go back and look at the information that I provided. And I broke down the numbers. Basically, I looked at what the tax is because you get taxed a lot less on the miles than you do on the cash. And effectively, you're trading off miles for effectively 1.7 cents per mile. So if you look at it, 1.6 to 1.7 cents per mile is what you'd be trading it for. So either you take the uh, it's a roughly 3.1% after taxes versus, uh, you know, taking the miles and the small amount of taxes that you pay on that. So you kind of have to weigh out which one you're, is going to get you more. Are you getting more than 1.6, 1.7 cents per American mile? If you are, then get the American miles. But if you don't travel much or you're not using AA, then uh, you can look at the Basque Bank interest bearing account. Or maybe even look at a at a CD. I'm hearing that CDs are close to five percent right now, so I guess some short term CDs might be decent as well. Mm. God, I haven't heard that phrase in a long time. A CD, yeah. Delta co branded cards, fifteen percent off awards on domestic flights. Is it worth it? So we even had a question in the group today. So uh, I can't remember which what her name was, but she said. What am I doing wrong? I have about 300,000 Delta Sky miles and I'm trying to book a flight and I can't find anything. Is it me? What am I doing? I'm like, you know, honest to God, it's not you, it's them. Delta can be good domestically. You can find some really good deals on them. So maybe that would help, but I'm not buying cash flights for one thing. Is this giving you 15% off of the points needed as well or just off cash? No, this is off of a 15% off awards. So if you had a 10,000 uh, point award, it would be 1,500 points off or Delta Sky Miles off. So you'd be looking at 8,500 Sky Miles instead of 10,000. So you'd have to be oh, booking be worth it. a sizable chunk. Now, a lot of the co-brand, most of the uh co-branded cards. So any of the ones that have annual fees do have this. So you can start off with the Delta Amex Gold card, and uh, which is just a $95 fee that has mm -hmm. that all the way up to their premium level uh, reserve card, which has, um, I don't know, what is the fee on that? I lost track. Is it 450 or? Yeah, it's like 425 up? or something like that. It's it's way up there. So I'm not a Delta girl, so I don't yeah, really. One of their premium cards. So you don't have to just have the expensive card for this, but you'd have to use a lot of Delta travel and Delta awards. And my thought here, if you just place their values, and we talked about you know not valuing miles this way, but you kind of have to look at, is the cost that you're going to save worth that? annual fee on that card. And if it is, I mean, as far as I see it, you'd have to save at least 9,500 miles per year before uh, you, that card actually comes of value. If you're not needing things like uh, check baggage, or you're mm -hmm. not using those kind of benefits from the card. So I see it as that you'd have to save 9,500 miles and Delta is just so much more expensive than all the other award currencies. Generally speaking, I'm just not finding value in Delta Sky Miles for my particular travels. I had a Delta Gold card because before I really got, you know, 
knowledgeable in this hobby. I think, ooh, pretty, look at that nice shiny sign-up bonus. Let me get that card. This would be great to go to Europe. Well, as we know, they are not great to go to Europe. And then I closed it. And I'll be darned if like within a month, I actually had to take a Delta flight because I was going to a funeral and they truly had the cheapest flight for a close in. I've got to leave. I've got to be there next Tuesday. They had the best flight, it, you know, not nonstop, but the cheapest. But I didn't have a card anymore. And I really missed having that, um, you know, priority boarding. So, but as we know, Amex has the, you know, no life, you know, once in a lifetime get the sign up bonus. So I'm like, well, I'm kind of screwed. I'm not going to go get the higher value card. They sent me a mailer at home for with a no lifetime language, get another Delta Gold card. So I went ahead and got it and got another sign up bonus on them. And then I think I maybe have flown them one more time since then. So I've downgraded it to the free blue card just to preserve the line of credit. So I don't get these 15% off. But if it's on domestic ones, that's that is where I can sometimes find value. My issue with Delta is because once again, I'm in a non-hub city. If I'm flying Delta anywhere, I have to make a connection. If I can avoid that connection, I'm going to try to avoid the connection. So Yeah, in my eight years of travel rewards and loyalty, I have never had a Delta Amex card in my life, but I do not uh, fly from a hub airport or a place that's well served by Delta. They pretty much only fly to Atlanta, New York, and Minneapolis. So. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of choice for me. So I just don't find a lot of value in Delta, but there are people that this may be value for. There may be value for people with this offer. Inc- limited time offer, still 90,000 points, $900 cash back uh, that converts to your points because they are actually ultimate rewards. They are 90,000 ultimate rewards points that are $900 worth of cash. If you don't have a transferable card, how much longer is this going to go on? It's been going on for a while now. I don't know. Um, We haven't heard anything. There were rumors towards the end of last year that, oh, this offer is going to go away on this date. And, and, you know, we'll report them and say, hey, we saw this, but we don't have confirmation that it's real. But if it's something that you are interested in, don't wait. And we tell people that all the time. If there's an offer out there and it's something that you're eligible for and you want it, don't wait because banks pull offers all the time in a hurry with no notice. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, but I really wanted that card. Too bad. So sad. You waited. You know, we've got an article or word, I should say a word wallet has an article about, are you eligible for a small business card? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things people do that they don't realize, oh, well, hey, that qualifies. You don't have to have a ton of income to be able to do this. I mean, you know, and I will say when I started, and it's not even just income. It, we're talking about not a ton of revenue either. You don't have to right. have a multi-million dollar corporation to be eligible for one of these business cards. And this is another one of our important points and steps to award travel is to not be afraid of those business cards because a lot of people have those businesses that they just don't really truly view them that way, but they right. they really are businesses. Right. They're, they're thinking they need to be inventing Spanx or something like that. That's the that's the business. That's what's going to get you the card. But no, you can be a dog walker or selling something on Etsy and it counts. And while we're on the theme of 90,000, the Award Travel 101 community surpassed 90,000 members Woo-hoo-hoo! earlier this month. That is February 2023. So Woo-hoo-hoo! we are continuing to grow and we look forward to seeing everyone in the Award Travel 101 community. Angie, 
February 2023, what bonuses did you get? Well, (laughs) so I thought I had finished my uh, new business platinum card because I made a car insurance payment earlier this week. So every day I keep logging into my you know, my Amex account being like, okay, is it, has it posted yet? Because the one good thing about Amex is as soon as you hit the bonus, they post it. They don't wait for the statement to close like Chase does. Hasn't changed, hasn't changed, hasn't changed. I'm like, what the heck? And so this is my second business platinum card. And I thought, oh my gosh, maybe I read it wrong. And, it, you know, it did have no lifetime language and, it, you know, I've already gotten an offer on a business platinum. Maybe I'm really not eligible for this bonus. So I went and I did math. No, I was $37 short because I had counted in the annual fee, you know, dummy me, that's a newbie thing there. And so I quickly, just before we hopped on the air, I went on sams.com through Rakuten and um, ordered some pistachios, some beans and yellow rice. (laughs) Just enough to knock that thing out. $41 is what it came out at. How about you? What'd you get? You got a couple things, didn't yeah, you? So I've been working on a few things. So I last month I finished up my Ink Unlimited. So I got my 90,000 bonus points and uh, ended up with a, a little over 10,000 points in the uh, minimum spending requirement as it is a 1.5x earning everywhere card. So ended up with just over 100,000 Chase Ultimate Reward points, which uh, will pretty much and very highly likely go to Hyatt, which is where I use most of my points. Uh, I referred my wife because I happen to have been one of those lucky people who were selected with Amex to earn 100,000 points referring people. So they raised my bar from 55,000 points, ability to be earned every single year to 100,000 points. I referred my wife to the Amex Gold and uh, for the first time, we have a rose gold card in our household. So Ooh. we uh, knocked out our property taxes and some utility. So those two things wiped out that got my uh, 30,000 point referral bonus. And uh, so we netted about 124,000 points off of that. Oh, that's I nice. Like, I, ha- I still have so many things left to spend money on here. We have all <laughs> these bills coming up here and I've got to find some new things. So I was like, gosh, you know, on March 1st, American Airlines starts the status status run again. And, and uh, so everything resets to zero, all your loyalty points. And, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed the benefits that I've received from American with the executive platinum status that I earned through spend. And um, so I ended up applying for two new American Airlines cards. I applied for Barclays. Aviator and I applied for the City Advantage Platinum and both that had 60,000 Advantage Mile offers with very little spend, almost no spend. It's just first purchase on the Barclays and 3,000 spend on the City card. And I applied for both of those earlier in the week and was approved just today for the City card. Barclays was an immediate approval. So I'm going to. Oh, you did get the City card. Yes, uh, today the city card came through, so I, I was approved. I applied for them both uh, in side by side windows. So I had uh, one browser and then another browser open, and I clicked go on both of them <laughs> at the same time, and was immediate approval on one and was uh, pending on the other. But I did get approved for that, and I intend to pay off our home equity line of credit 
through Plastique with that. And so there will be a fee, like you said, but I didn't want to just pay it off with um, a small and say, okay, well, I'm going to eat the uh, fee and I'll get one mile per dollar. So oh, gosh, instead no. of earning about 20,000 American miles, I'm going to pay that off and earn about 140,000 American miles. So yeah, uh, that's a lot wow. more easy to swallow when you're you're talking about big chunks of miles. And it gets me thinking kind of as we go into our highlight feature, talking about the steps to award travel of how much I earned in my very first year or two of travel rewards and loyalty points. I started with a United card. I'd mentioned that was, you know, a big step for us. But over the course of probably two year and a half to two years, I earned maybe a hundred and fifty thousand United miles over that entire time, utilizing portals, using utilizing mileage plus X, the app they have for generating on the spot gift cards, all these things that I thought I was doing. And here it is, years later, just a couple of sign-up bonuses, and I've got several hundred thousand points. So, you know, I've on step two of the business checking bonus offer that ended uh, last month. So mm-hmm. I have step two finished. There's three steps. You had to um, deposit $5,000 into American Express business checking account. You had to have 10 qualifying transactions and you have to keep at least a $5,000 average daily balance in that account for 60 days. And I think I'm about two to three weeks left of keeping that average balance up. I'm in the same boat on that one too. It's like the first two steps are done and I'm just just sit there waiting now for that to hit. And my business platinum card that I got, it came as a, a package deal. So open the new business platinum credit card, get 150,000 points on that after you hit the spend, open the checking account, get the bonus on that. And if you do both of those, get a 20,000 point bonus on top of it. This is a good deal. And just so people don't think I'm like floating in money, this is, you know, the $5,000 is, it's our you know, you've got your save what you're supposed to have in case of an emergency. Yeah. I take that money and I will move it around from bank to bank to bank and get those new, you know, bank account bonuses. So I have a file for my husband. I'm like, if I drop dead or get hit by a car, just so you know where we have money floating around. Yeah, that's a, a neat thing. And uh, you got definitely want to have a little bit of ability to Make sure that you don't get yourself in a situation where you can't afford to pay these things off or you can't afford to float these. These are deals that you can really utilize and make sure that you have that safe keep, that safekeeping balance set aside so that you can take care of anything that comes up that surprises you. Let's talk about trip updates. And do you have anything new? Uh, you, you're going to Africa. We talked about that on a previous episode of your safari yep. trip. Any changes or updates? Nothing, nothing. Knock on wood. So far, everything's good on that. Um, I actually did have a thought today that, you know, we're flying KLM on the first leg or the, the long haul leg, I should say. Um, and we got a positioning flight on United. And I'm like, and back to what we said earlier about, you know, I never did check to see what Virgin would be to fly Delta instead. Well, the reason why is because Delta doesn't have a nonstop to Dallas. So right. that's why Virgin doesn't show up as an option. Yeah, no. So no changes on that. Now, I mean, I booked a trip. Not sure if I'm going to keep it or not. 
it was kind of one of those deal alerts popped up. Um, I subscribed to Thrifty Traveler Premium and I get emails when they have deals that come through. And, you know, I had to unsubscribe. I think I mentioned this earlier from, you know, like Scott's cheap flights and things like that, because I am never going to fly economy (laughs) to Beijing, whatever, no matter how cheap it is. But um, Thrifty Traveler has it set up where you can specify what you want to get alerts on. So I have it set up that I will only get premium cabin alerts. And I've got it pretty, otherwise pretty wide open. And this one popped up to go to Switzerland. And we were scheduled to go to Switzerland two years ago. And we were in France on the first half of the trip. And our son got in a car accident back home. And he's fine. Car was not. Um but we had to cancel the rest of our trip and come home. And so I still want to go to Switzerland very, very badly. And when this popped up, I'm like, you know, there have been so many deals that I didn't jump on. I'm like, I'm just going to book it because it was booked through United and they're super easy to cancel. So if if we decide we're not going to go, it's an easy thing. I'll get the points back. It's no big deal. And I can always use United points. So, and I already had them in the account from canceling one of the Africa flights. And I'll leave a link for that. We have a link for Thrifty Traveler Premium. I also um, was able to utilize one of their alerts on our last episode. I talked about booking a trip to Croatia with my father, and that was what started that whole thing. So we'll leave a link there so you can check that out. There's a special deal to save 10 bucks off of the subscription using the Award Travel 101 link. And we can... I talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that I moved around and I actually took uh, advantage of one of the deals I talked about as our what you didn't know last last week and that was the choice points and you can the fact that you can book right into a suite I was able to find a, a place that is kind of the opposite of a place where I normally go on a date night with my wife we like to do little individual nights and in, up in Cleveland and we decided to head south into the countryside, into Amish countryside. And there's this beautiful place that's part of choice. I booked straight into a suite. It's 12,500 city thank you points or 25,000 choice points. And uh, so that was kind of exciting. I'm looking forward to that. That's a deal. One thing I'm not, I wasn't looking so f- much forward to is that United changed one of the flights on one of my upcoming trips. We have a trip this summer my first family trip with the kids out of country. So we have a trip to the Riviera Maya in Mexico at the Andaz Mayacoba. And I had seven days booked because I had a nonstop flight straight from Cleveland to Cancun, which is just north of Andaz Mayacoba. And I went in to book the flight home and I couldn't find a nonstop. I was like, that's weird because usually they, they set those up so that the flight goes there, the flight comes back, and then it goes on to where it goes after that. Right. And I said, that's kind of weird. I go into my account, and sure enough, my nonstop flight is gone, and nowhere anywhere have I received an email or notification that that flight changed. So I went through quite a hassle. We talk about all the benefits of travel rewards and loyalty, but there are also some negatives, and that's not just in travel rewards and loyalty that's in travel in general that can be a hassle. I mean, I had to try to change that. And even with my 1K status, which I had challenged over to last year, I felt like I had the worst experience on the phone with this agent ever. And she tried to charge me extra because I called the whole reason I called was the website was trying to charge me to change the flight 
to one day earlier where the nonstop oh. exists. They had they had it originally scheduled as Saturdays and Sundays nonstops, and then they ditched the Sunday flight, never bothered to tell me. And then it said on there that I could freely change as long as it was 24 hours plus or minus. The mm-hmm. thing is, I think what happened is that they moved the flight when they turned it into a connecting flight. They said they could move it if you went 24 hours plus or minus, but they moved my first flight to an earlier flight than what the original uh, one was, which so I think, believe I believe that's what pushed it out and gave me the problem. But that's not my fault. Right. They changed it. I didn't change it. That's not what I wanted the nonstop. So I went through quite a bit of hassle and a little bit of travel grumps there that I didn't share in travel grumps. Um, <laughs> we did get it fixed. I got the nonstop flight, but I had to then move it. And then because of that, you know, I had a sweet upgrade award locked in with Hyatt. That's one of the milestone benefits you obtain once you hit 50 nights with the World of Hyatt program. I had that a suite locked in for a week, and then I had to verify that if I moved this up a day, would there be the suite the day before? Because if it's not, I can't lock in the suite. Right. You have to have a standard room. So that's the other thing, making sure there's a standard room to even book on points to begin with. So that was a little bit of a process. Got that all fixed and squared away, but there are hassles that happen within travel. And forget about whether it's award travel or cash travel or anything. When you have these constant changes and schedule changes, being able to uh, look into that and garden your reservations so that you know, then you're not surprised all of a sudden when you arrive to the airport and they say, oh, your flight's canceled. You didn't know? Well, or the fact that they'd moved your flight up earlier and never even bothered to notify you. You'd get there at the normal time and be like, oh, you missed it. (laughs) Yeah, that really bothers me that they don't tell you that stuff. I I check frequently that things are still the same. So let's talk about our highlight main feature. And we talked about who should or who should not uh, do award travel and generally uh, making sure that your credit is healthy and that you're paying off those. Let's talk about the steps to award travel. And again, that very first step is to build healthy credit, pay off balances in full. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Because the banks won't give you more cards if you don't have good credit. (laughs) And they're not, or they're going to give you, you know, you're not going to be eligible for the good cards. Uh, You're going to get a horrible credit limit if you do get a card. You know, you can certainly start trying to do it if you've got a lower credit score, but you might have to start with a Chase Freedom card. You can't go straight into a Chase Sapphire card because it requires, you can't go to a Sapphire Reserve because it requires a $10,000 credit limit. And we talk about how valuable these reward points are because we we found ways to maximize those over the years we've been um, honing our skills and honing our craft here in Award Travel 101. But those reward points, no matter how high, highly you value them, are not going to exceed the interest you pay if you're carrying some kind exactly. of balance where they're charging 30, 28%, 35% interest. That's going to put you way behind the game right to start. A couple of things, you know, people, people will come into this hobby with the misperception that opening a ton of cards is going to destroy their credit score. And we've talked about this before that both of us, you know, we've got close to the highest score you can have. And we have a fair number of cards that have been open because, you know, one of the big components of your credit score, besides 
pay on time and in full because you've got credit utilization. That's where the pay in full part comes into play. But it's also with that credit utilization, how much credit do you have available to you? So if you have one card, hello, my old Capital One Venture card with a $30,000 credit limit, that's great. But if I have to pay my property taxes or my insurance, and all of a sudden I'm using up $20,000 of that 30000 limit, my credit utilization has just gone down the tubes completely. But if I've got six cards with a $30,000 credit limit, and I have that same expense, it's not as big of a hit. Yeah, that utilization ratio is going to go down with more available credit. And, uh, you know, I talked about the two American cards that I was just approved for earlier. And that added $50,000 worth of credit line to my available credit. Now, I already had almost 30 cards to begin with. So we're now sitting over 30 cards between my wife and me. And my wife only has a few. So I'm sitting right around the 30 card mark mm-hmm. and I have an 830 something plus, you know, credit score. So that's the 830 FICO score, 830 TransUnion score, you know, all those scores. And I have that history. So the history is very important, making sure that your credit utilization, we typically say stay under 30% because that's the same ones that the uh, mortgage bankers are looking for. They're looking to make sure that you're not in a position where you're going to look a little riskier because you start hitting over that 30% mark and you'll watch your credit come down real quick. I can tell mm-hmm. you that when I had to move some money around and I was paying a lot of uh, renovation costs on my house back during the early stages of the pandemic, I ended up having to get a new home equity line of credit. So I had all this money on credit cards And here I was with this new line of credit as well. And they're looking at it and saying, oh, he's opening up these things and he's spending all this money on these cards. And now his utilization is going up. His ratio is is looking worse and worse and worse. And you wouldn't believe, but I mean, within a month's time, my score dropped almost 100 points. It was like a 96 point drop. Oh, gosh. I was already pretty high. So I was in the, you know, well into the 800s dropped down to like a 739 or something like that. But that, you know, it took some time to fix that. But, you know, as I, as they saw that, hey, he paid off the cards, he just basically moved the credit around. And then, you know, I was paying constantly and consistently, that score started going back up. And within six months time, I was back over 800 again. But it, that was a hard hit, you know, because that utilization was hammered. Transferable over fixed points. That's step two. Why are we talking about transferable points? Why shouldn't somebody go out and get a Southwest card over a Chase card? Well, what if they want to go to Europe? (laughs) Southwest flies a lot of places domestically in the Caribbean and Mexico, but they don't go to England or Paris. So you need, and you don't want to just go get an American Airlines card, which, yeah, they fly to those places. But what if you want to go to Amsterdam next year to see the tulips and you go look on American Airlines because that's all the points you have and American has no availability. But, oh, look, over there, KLM does, but you don't have anything in KLM. So the benefit of the transferable points is, you know, each each one of these ecosystems kind of has their own set of unique partners with some overlap, which is very handy. But the more of those you have, the more options that there are available to you, 
when you're ready to actually book a trip. Yeah. And having transferable points gives you more flexibility. And with if you have Chase cards over, say, a Chase Southwest card, you can always transfer your points over to Southwest if you want yeah. to. But then, like Angie mentioned, you have a partner like Flying Blue, which is KLM Air France. And if you want to go to Europe, you can use your Chase points into KLM Flying Blue and book that way. So that brings us to step three, which is start with Chase. Why are we beginning with Chase? Chase has a lovely unofficial rule called 524. And a lot of people starting this hobby think that this is, oh, this will never apply to me. What the rule states is that once you've opened five cards from any bank, not just Chase, in the past 24 months, Chase isn't going to let you have any more cards. Most business cards do not apply to that. But for Chase, you still have to be under 524 to get a Chase business card. So a lot of people, they'll see that they're like, oh, I'm going to open five cards in 24 months. That's that's just ridiculous. That's never going to happen. Well, as we can all attest, you get that first sign-up bonus. And it's kind of an exciting thing when you log in and all of a sudden you see this huge influx of points. You're like, ooh, I want some more. And then you open another card and another card. And before you know it, you have gone screaming past 524 because maybe you've made some other mistakes along the way as well. You know, you add your spouse as an authorized user because that's how you've always done it. Or you get distracted by that. Oh, look at that Marriott offer. That's awesome. Not realizing that Marriott points, while valuable for Marriott, they're not so great for other things that you might need to use them for. So you don't focus on the right types of points. And then you see that offer that you really do want and you can't get it because you've gone over it. And it takes a long time to fall back under 524. And it's not always worthwhile. You don't want to you don't want to not open new cards just for the sake of getting back under 524. But if you can kind of are strategic in the beginning with making certain that you get the chase cards that you truly do want and that do help get you to where you want to go, it makes it a little le more less painful when you do finally hit 524. So you've got your chase cards, everything that you're looking for. Maybe that's a Hyatt card. Maybe that's an IHG, United, Southwest, whatever, all your ultimate rewards earning cards. We start expanding to other bank cards. Yes. What are those uh, cards going to look like or going to be? Um, so you've got- You're going to get a Delta Sky Miles card? I, well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Not my brightest shining moment. So Amex Platinum card, really a horrible earning card for, in terms of you know daily spend. But it's a tremendous benefits card if you travel a lot. It's got a lot of nice, you know, it gives you status in hotel chains and car rental companies. It gives you enough credits. We love to call them coupons. Um, they can help offset that horrific $700 annual fee. But you don't want to use that to, you know, go to the grocery store. You're going to want to get some of the other Amex cards that also earn membership rewards. Where Amex will shine is they've got a lot of offers that they will send out if you've already got that card. Add an authorized user, have them spend $2,000. Here, we'll give you 20,000 points for that. Activate our pay over time feature, which I find very funny since these are charge cards, which are supposed to be paid in full every month. But oh, here, go ahead and carry a balance. After all, activate pay over time. We'll give you 10,000 points. They're Amex offers. You know, go buy this one thing that you plan to buy anyway. 
and we'll either give you money back or we will give you more points. So Amex is great because Chase has its set of partners that it will transfer to Southwest, Hyatt, United, but also British Airways, Flying Blue, carriers like that. Amex has its own set of partners. There's some overlap because they will also transfer to some of the same ones. Then you've got City, their thank you points, a completely different set of transfer partners. And then Capital One has hopped in within the past couple of years with their own set. And we can't forget that we also have other currencies. So like you mentioned, uh, Marriott Bonvoy does transfer to a majority of these. They probably are the biggest transfer partners, just that their uh, transfers, basically their earning side, it's more the earning side, not so much the transfer side, but the earning side is just not good on those cards. And basically, once you you get to that point, the transfers also tend to be slow. So and then you have also an, a newer player into the market where you have built rewards. So they have some really good partners. They just don't have a huge signup bonus, which is what we often talk about maximizing. So let's talk about the next step is business cards. And this may be a more important step to me than expanding to other banks, because it, a lot of times we have a particular thing about business cards that is a benefit to many of us. And that is, I don't know, it doesn't impact 524. Ah, okay. So if you can apply for a business card, so if you apply for one of these 90,000 point ink cards, you're not going to be uh, hit with another application affecting you for that 524 limit that Angie had mentioned earlier, you're going to be able to say, hey, I can now apply for that personal card, but I can get the business card first. And there's so much more you can get with business cards and their bonuses. They tend to be significantly higher than their consumer counterparts, with the exception of Amex. Amex pretty much is equal on those sides, but Chase is so much higher. Like the Inc. Unlimited is a 90,000 point bonus mm -hmm. offer. The Freedom Unlimited is a 20,000 point bonus offer. Right. And they're both free cards. Yeah. Inc. Cash is 90,000 point offer. Freedom, uh, Freedom Flex is 20,000 points. So, you know, you're talking about 70,000 point differential, which, you know, you do some kind of uh, business class on Aeroplan or United or some of these other things you're talking about a significant dollar difference. Right. So then going from there, our next step, our six of eight steps is maximizing the spending and making sure you're co combining these cards to earn and work together. So that's why we often talk about having a Sapphire card, a Freedom card. You're talking about having an Ink card. You're talking about having an Ink Unlimited or a Freedom Unlimited because you have that everywhere, that 1.5x everywhere, whether that's an ink card, a city card where you have the double cash, a venture card that earns 2x everywhere, maximizing the spend. What's your favorite bonus category? Uh, my favorite bonus category has probably got to be the 4x on dining and groceries on the Amex Gold card um, because I spend a lot of money in those categories <laughs> right there. Second favorite is going to be the 5X on office supplies, because what I'll do is I will go to those office supplies and I will buy gift cards for stores that I shop at regularly, like Amazon or Home Depot. And I earn 5X on that ink card. It's money that I'm going to spend anyway. I'll go buy Visa gift cards when they have the fee-free 
sales that they often advertise. And I can use those in place of my 2X non-bonus spend card. And I'm basically earning 5X in, yeah. instead. I've just prepaid for those. Yeah, effect. you're turning your your everywhere spend into 5X everywhere yes. spend by using those fee-free cards. Yeah. So we have our different categories uh, where we're maximizing spend, whether that's grocery store, office supply, gas stations, things of that nature. Then we go to finding award space. So that's kind of our next step. We're now talking about not just earning, but we're talking about burning those points. That's the hardest part. Yeah. It's the hardest part. It requires the most work. Um, and honestly, the 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 best thing you can do is practice searches, figure out where you want to go. Like I know somebody that he sits on the couch at night and instead of watching Netflix or whatever, or he'll have Netflix on in the background. He just sits there and practices award searches and he's booked like trips, like on the fly, like, Hey, you want to go to China? Because he finds something just while he's there playing. So practice to get an idea of what's available. Don't wait until you're like, I want to go to Rome next year for my anniversary. How do I get there? Yeah. You know, and one of the things that has been really popping into my feeds lately is all these people flying to Japan on A business class or the suite or the rooms or it's not the room it's the suite or the it's the other one the, no, the but now who's the apartment is that etihad etihad uh so there's the suite and the i thought it was the room is it the room i don't remember I think there, so. there's two new there they just changed their their cabins and they updated so i can't remember all the names but there's first in business class uh to japan and that's been really popping up in my feed a ton lately and I've been looking at how to find those first class award seats on ANA. And, you know, it's it's interesting because of course a lot of times there's everyone's talking about the sweet spots through Virgin Atlantic because you have the transfer bonuses and things like that. But the other part is is that booking it straight through ANA may not be so bad either if you can piece together a round trip. Right. And the thing is with ANA, they actually open up their awards to their own members 25 days before they open up to partners. Right. So you have that entire 25-day window to beat out anybody trying to use Virgin Atlantic or United Miles or any of these other partners that may provide a an better opportunity from a usage standpoint where you can say, hey, I, I booked first class for... 40,000 miles, you know, that's, you know, a steal, right? right. But yeah, you're uh, 47,500, I think is what it is for first class, and like just under 40,000 points for business class, which is, again, incredible. But if you can be book it before anybody else can, you can kind of take that award seat away. And that's one of those hard spots and using their website is not the easiest and or most friendly. So making sure that you understand how to book that is an important thing. And I will say I have yet to be successful in finding award space on ANA when I have needed it. It's like I found it on some of those weird practice searches. It's like, oh, looky there. It, I, I found something. So I know I'm doing it right. It's just every time I have needed, like, well, I'm going to go at this point in time or around here. Nope, not available. <laughs> And for those of you who are tuning into us for the very first time, Angie and I are members who came up in this community. We are not road warriors. We are not business travelers. We are people who just kind of came up and this is practice. This is years of practice finding these things. 
Sometimes you start learning tricks on how to find them, when to find them. And the fact is, is that sometimes these things will open up last minute. So if you know that there's a high probability of these things opening up at some point, a week or two out, maybe you have to say, I'm going to be a little bit flexible in what I schedule because I know that it's going to be this day or this day, or there's going to be some day in here somewhere, as long as it's not like a huge holiday or a huge event going on where everybody's already grabbed all those seats. And that's what I'm doing for the trip that uh, I have planned for my dad with Croatia. It's like, I, I really want to be on Lufthansa first class. There's two of those uh, eight seats already booked. Will they open? Will they, they may or they may not. I don't know. But I have something in place that I'm perfectly fine and I'm, I'm perfectly accepting of. And but I would like to make it a little bit better. And we know that those tend to open up if they're still available one to two weeks out, even a few days out. And the fact is, is that's my starting point. So I know that I have the ability to book that should it become over open. And then our final step here is utilize those card benefits. So what are some of the card benefits we're talking about here? Well, I think one of the biggies that you and I both take advantage of, it, but the Chase Sapphire Reserve and the Ritz-Carlton card no longer available to new applications, sadly. They still have the Priority Pass Restaurant benefit. Um, so there's almost every card under the sun, <laughs> practically, offers Priority Pass Lounge benefit. Yeah. It's like I have to label my yep. Priority Pass cards to know which credit card it came from. Because only those two Chase cards still offer the restaurant benefit. And where that is huge for us is I don't have a lounge in my airport, but I have a really good restaurant. And even though Tampa is set up as um, different hubs and you got to go through security to get to it, it's it's super easy to get through security. So I build in a little bit of extra time before a flight and I'll pop on over to the American terminal and I'll go to Misa Plus and I'll eat and here's my card and 28 bucks for me and two of my friends and I've got free food. It's, it's huge. So that's a big one. Yeah, And you have free night certificates. So if you have a hotel card, Many. you know, there's, there's a lot of free night certificates that come with like Marriott cards or your Hyatt world of Hyatt uh, consumer card. Uh, you want to look for uh, cards that are going to provide rental car or trip interruption protection and mm -hmm. benefits, which is why we talk a lot about the Sapphire preferred or reserve cards, as well as the ink preferred. Those cards have very predictable, safe travel benefits and coverages, whether it's the lounge of benefits or other kind of saving offers, like you mentioned earlier with Amex, with their Amex offers. A lot of these cards have little bonuses and, and might be $5 off of your dining at McDonald's if you use their mm -hmm. mobile pay or you know whatever it is, there's things that are on your cards. And if you're checking those offers, make sure you check that you're trying to get the most value. You're, if you're already spending at those places, make sure you use those benefits. And, you know, like you mentioned, the lounge benefit for me, I, I'm in my airport probably at least once a month. And that particular benefit between me traveling solo or with my family probably uh, saves me hundreds of dollars, maybe even approaching $1,000 a year, being able to eat at the lounge, before right. my flight. So whether that's really worth that, because of course, the airport prices are inflated. But it, it's a nice little perk to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm going to go get something at, to eat at the airport, I don't have to worry about anything other than tipping the server 
there and right. uh, that's a nice little benefit there because it's not like you're getting really delicious food on the plane either so no. <laughs> moving on to our final topic of the day what you didn't know and one of the things that i've been finding lately like i mentioned earlier i'm not a huge delta airlines flyer but partner awards are one of those things that they're there's things that you can do with a partner that you can't always do with your primary flying airline. So Delta Airlines flies three routes, like I mentioned, from my home airport. And it's not always easy to find them reasonably priced, right? So, I mean, they're, they're uh, pretty exorbitant most of the time. But the funny thing is, is that because I'm not in that hub airport, almost everywhere I fly, I can fly to Atlanta, I can fly to uh, John F. Kennedy, I can fly to Minneapolis, St. Paul, I can fly to these places. And there's almost always award space on partners. So through Virgin Atlantic, Virgin Atlantic is uh, one of their partners, and they will become part of Sky Team, I think within the next month or so. So we're looking forward to seeing what happens there. Usually, that's not a good sign for right. things to come. And the ANA sweet spot may go away. That is a Star Alliance partner of sorts. So we don't know what will happen to that. But I can book Delta right now for typically 30 to 40% of the award price. And when you can factor in the transfer bonus that are often available to uh, Virgin Atlantic, you're talking about 30%, 40% bonus transfers. Mm -hmm. We're talking about making this really 20 to 30% of what the real cost would be to go through Delta to fly the exact same flight. So now here's a question that comes up. So you you mentioned transfer bonuses. If you're planning to do this, are you going to do any speculative transferring over to Virgin the next I, time there's a bonus? I don't know. It took me a while because I had several hundred thousand stranded from um, a few years ago. I booked ANA for my brother and sister-in-law. They booked them business class to Tokyo. And then that got canceled with the, all the pandemic issues. Mm -hmm. And I sat on those for a while, but I've been using them more. I'm thinking about it. And I guess whether you're going to speculatively transfer, the, the general answer is no, that's a bad idea. But once mm -hmm. you start building up some of your balances and you say, hey, I'm going to move some of those, you can kind of hedge your bet. If you have so many more points than you're going to use. And I happen to be in that situation in some of my balances that it would take me years to draw down on some of these balances down to nothing. And if you're in that position where you have some of those where you can transfer them over, you can kind of hedge that bet that, hey, maybe the value of those points will go down, but that, you know, I transferred them in at such a great transfer bonus that, you know, that's not going to hurt me as bad. So you kind of have to weigh that out and look at that as a trade-off, but I don't intend to. I know there is a bonus coming up with City here mm -hmm. in a few weeks, probably by the time this episode airs, it'll be right around the time that that uh, goes into effect. So how about you? Probably not. Mostly because I still have, I still have miles uh, stranded over at Virgin from a pandemic canceled trip. And it goes back to that whole, there's no non, there used to be a nonstop from Tampa to Amsterdam. And that's what I had booked for 50,000 points in business class. It was great. Well, then when the pandemic hit and it was a Delta operated flight, Delta was like, we're not going to offer that one anymore. And so now everything is going to require a connection. And 
I am thinking of using some points for something we're going to discuss in a little bit. Delta wants 22,000 points each way in economy. Virgin wants 22,000 points round trip in economy for the same exact flight. So I might use some points for that, but I don't think I will speculatively transfer anything more over to them. I might do the next British Airways one, though. Um, I got a good deal on that last year, I guess, when they had a 40% transfer bonus. I wish I had transferred more at that point in time, and I didn't. Um, I might do that. The other thing you got to be careful of is some of these programs, their miles expire. Expirations, yep. Because I've got points down at um, Avianca that I had to transfer in another thousand points to keep them from expiring. So that's something you got to weigh out too. It's like, you know, like you were saying, the people that they kind of book last minute and they can jump on deals, they're in a different situation than how I book. And I don't want to have to stress about points expiring because they're hard to earn. Yeah. And Virgin Atlantic miles or Virgin points as they now are don't expire. So that's not right. something you have to worry about in that particular program. But it, I do have to consider the fact that those points were locked up for several years. And I actually did take advantage of the British Airways one as well. I transferred between my wife and me almost 400,000 Amex points into British Airways. And wow. uh, you know, I'm still working my way through those because a lot of times if there's that connection you know, the web saver through AA is going to work out better for me. Plus the fact is, is that I don't have to hassle with, am I going to get my status and trying to switch that over to my American Airlines loyalty account? I'm, I know that with my AA account, there's no funny business, no games that I have to play in and that's it. Whereas I do have to kind of play some games a little bit to manipulate it such that I am going to be recognized as an American Airlines executive elite platinum member. So those are things that you have to kind of weigh out to where they're going to use. If I ever falter and let that uh, waiver, then you know I'll probably start using more. But I also am watching my nonstop flights. So if I have a nonstop flight on AA, then I'm going to use the British Airways points. So with that, we're going to wrap up today. We have one interesting thing to talk about. We have a meetup to announce. Save the date for Let's Go Crazy with award travel in the Twin Cities. Tell us a little bit more about the Twin Cities, Angie. What are we doing? It's going to be fun. Well, first of all, we picked we picked Minneapolis because it's kind of smack in the middle of the country. It's a Delta hub. We can actually all use those Delta miles probably to get there. And hopefully the weather will be cooler up way up north like that in August than it is and we're talking cooler relative for Angie because you know we're we're going we're, we don't want to go into the 40 negative 40 degree snow in winter we're going there when it's going to be nice summer like uh, those of us yeah. here in in the north uh, so it's fine for us it's summertime still we're not going to freezing weather but it'll be lovely for me this will be wonderful <laughs> it won't be 500 billion degrees and 300% humidity hopefully anyway it's going to be August 25th through the 27th, I believe. It's right around there. We haven't announced all the details yet. We're still finalizing some things, but there's going to be rooftop bars involved and stayed at a cool Art Deco hotel walkability to all the places we're going to do our events. It'll be nice. We might do a field trip out to the Prince, what's it, Paisley Mansion, yeah, I the think. Prince Mansion. Yeah. So go ahead and make sure that you uh, go 
to that event page. I'll link that into the show notes so that you know everything about that and can keep you up to date there. We will be announcing that event uh, with pricing and all the information once we have that finalized. But we have uh, events at the Hyatt Centric. Is that the main hotel? The main hotel is the Rand. It's a Marriott hotel. Oh, the Rand. Okay. They just it's it it's a really cool looking hotel. Um, but there's for the Hyatt people. So there's a Hyatt centric about a block away. There's a Hilton about a block away. Every chain known to man that if you need to get nights or you need status, you can stay at one of those other hotels. But the Rand is going to be the actual event hotel. And for anyone who's listening, we appreciate you joining us for another episode of the Award Travel 101 podcast. Angie, where can they find you? Well, you can find us on Facebook in the Award Travel 101 group. And in our paid group, Award Travel 201, where we have open posting and you can get immediate answers to your questions. We have a consulting service. If you want a little more one-on-one help called (laughs) Award Travel One-on-One, and we can help you put together a personalized credit card strategy. We can help teach you how to actually go search for award flights, what the process is with the points that you have, and just a few specific questions asked of you. You can always direct message one of the mods, one of the admins in the group if you have a quick question. And we are on Twitter and Instagram as well. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.